Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, let's discuss your big cable news debut. (laughs) Can you give us some insight into how that happened and what you spoke about? Yeah. uh, So, of course, uh, NTD News, which is based in uh, New York, Mm -hmm. based in Manhattan. So they emailed and asked if I could provide insight into the war in Ukraine. And once I accepted that uh, request to be interviewed and provided my background, the interview kind of shifted uh, because they're very much on um, reporting on China. So it shifted to the implications for China in its desire to uh, invade and annex Taiwan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the segment went great. Uh, The people at NTD News were very accommodating. I felt pretty relaxed for my first time on cable news. Well, I'm... Glad one of us was because I was <laughs> I was nervous. <laughs> I get nervous for everything though, so that's not. I'm very high strung. <laughs> and I was. I mean, I was a little nervous. It was. Uh, well, the, you'll get better. Uh, you know, it'll get easier if you. I, I'm acting like this is going to happen all the time, but. <laughs> yeah. No, I just mean like next time if you have to go on camera, you'll probably be more at ease. You know. Yeah. Definitely. The first time's always the hardest. Yep. But you did it so. Thank you for those little tidbits on how that came about. Um, The link to the clip will be posted in the show notes as well. You can find NTD television on all the cable and satellite providers, or you can watch it live online, which is what we did. Yes, that's (laughs) what we did. Yeah. So let's get to it. Um, What is on your radar this week? Well, like every week, we're going to do the Russia-Ukraine update. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we're going to get into uh, what seems to be a, a weekly recurring um, piece of news, which is Elon Musk. And uh, this past <laughs> week, he was threatened by Russia. So we're getting oh, into that. Oh, goodness. We're going to discuss the $40 billion in new U.S. aid to Ukraine. Uh, uh, we're going in, we're going to talk about the EU's consideration for a new pipeline. Um, Al Jazeera journalist was killed this past week on the West Bank. We'll get into that sad news. I saw that on NTD News as well. Yes, they did report that, on that. That was, the cl- that was the clip before you showed up. That is that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into the Philippine election results and how that's changing the geopolitical landspa- landscape. Uh, the Sri Lankan prime minister resigned this Uh-oh. past week. There are more kidnappings in Haiti. Uh, a uh, Mexican, well, there was a Mexican journalist killed this week. Actually, there were multiple journalists killed this week in, in yeah. Mexico. Uh, and then this week's Histories Mysteries. We'll I was discuss. starting to forget that, that that segment even existed. Yes. <laughs> All the news that we get into on a yeah. weekly basis. Yeah. We'll talk about the statesmen from the Dulles family. Oh, okay. Well, let's do the weekly Russia-Ukraine update. 
Yeah, so this week, uh, Ukraine has taken back parts of Kharkiv while mm-hmm. uh, Russia continues their advances near Odessa. Um, the war rages on with no end in sight. Recent report from a former CIA analyst detailed Russian President Vladimir Putin's desire to continue this conflict until Russian troops are victorious in establishing Ukraine as a Russian asset. So according to Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines, uh, the next month or two of fighting will be significant as the uh, as the Russians attempt to reinv- reinvigorate their efforts. Uh, but even if they are successful, we're not confident that the fight in the Donbass region will effectively end the war, is what Avril Haines has said. That was her full quote? That was the quote, yes. Okay. Uh, and this isn't anything new for our listeners. Uh, we've discussed this ad nauseum week to week. Well, that's... Certainly true. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of another reoccurring theme to this podcast, do you have what has become the weekly Elon Musk update? <laughs> yeah. So like I said before, this is becoming weekly. Come on, Elon, get on the podcast. Yeah, oh, I would. I'd love to get Elon on the podcast. Uh, that's going to be quite the pipe dream. I don't see that happening. Yeah, that, yeah that's I, a pipe dream. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say this so that I can uh-huh. manifest it happening. Oh, here uh, we go. Elon will never be on this podcast. <laughs> So <laughs> you're sneaky. <laughs> now, as we all know, uh, Elon has been a staunch supporter of Ukraine during this conflict, and mm-hmm. that has upset many within Russia uh, to the point that Elon is now tweeting about his de- demise. Wait, who? his own demise? His own demise. Yes. OK, so in what what way? What well, he, he called. Quite the ruckus on social media by suggesting that he might die, quote unquote, under mysterious circumstances. And no, for the few of you thinking this is a Clinton's joke, uh, (laughs) it's not. Okay. Uh, From the context, it seems uh, Musk was not referring to the Clintons as a potential threat to his life, but rather uh, the Russian government. So just before the tweet, Elon cited a message from the former deputy minister of Russia who sent a statement to Russian media accusing Musk's Starlink satellite company for enabling the Nazi Azov battalion to access the Internet. That has to be extremely scary for him and everyone involved with Starlink. Speaking of supporting Ukraine, has the U.S. voted to offer new aid to the war-torn country? They certainly did. Uh, This week, the U.S. House of Representatives passed approximately $40 billion spending bill that will aid Ukraine in its war with Russia. Do you have any insight into where that money is going to go? Yeah, it looks like it includes over $20 billion in weapons and security assistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's $6 billion for the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative and $4 billion for the State Department's Foreign Military Financing Program. And also, just before I, I finish this up, um, what's interesting about the bill is that they did not put any of what's called uh, pork spending so there was not like COVID spending or anything. This was all $40 billion for Ukraine. Oh, wow. Oh, you're talking about like, like how they like to sneak in financing yeah. for other things that have nothing to do with what the main bill is about? Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you for that update. Um, what is the deal with the new pipeline in the European Union? Oh, well, first, European natural gas prices jumped this week after Ukraine's state-owned grid operator suspended uh Russian flow through a key entry point. Everything's ju- prices have jumped for everything. Right. <laughs> just go to the gas station, guys. Yeah. Uh, the operator 
However, it said it would still be able to fulfill obligations to European partners by rerouting gas located in Ukrainian-controlled territory. Then a new pipeline built during the pandemic and set to open commercial operations in June this year mm-hmm. will ensure that large volumes of gas flow would generate electricity, fuel industry, and heat homes. Um, it is a step in the right direction for Europeans as they deal with high fuel prices caused by the invasion of Ukraine by the hand of Russian President Vladimir Putin. Well, that sounds like good news for the region. Um Moving to the West Bank, what happened with the journalists reporting in the region? Well, we go from good news in Western Europe to incredibly sad news in the West Bank. Mm-hmm. So Al Jazeera journalist Shireen Abu Akhle mm-hmm. was shot dead while covering Israeli military operations in the West Bank. Um, Al Jazeera has accused Israeli security forces of intentionally aiming at and killing Shireen and called on the international community to condemn and hold Israel accountable. What is Israel saying about the killing? Uh, Israel says that security forces clashed with Palestinian forces, and Shireen was caught in the crossfire. They did stop short of saying she was killed by Israeli forces. Of course. Now, the Israeli military has stepped up its operations in the West Bank after a series of attacks targeting Israelis has left 18 people dead. Oh, gosh. I'm sure this is not the last that we hear about the clashes in that region, but hopefully we get some good news soon out of there. Hopefully, maybe. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, There are more elections this week, this time in the Philippines. How is that changing the geopolitical landscape? Yeah, so Ferdinand Marcos Jr. was voted as... Ferdinand. Ferdinand. It sounds like you said Ferdinand. (laughs) Ferdinand. (laughs) Okay. I, I might have said that. It sounded like Ferdinand, Ferdinand or Ferdinand, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> my, it might be my headphones and I apologize. <laughs> okay. Well, didn't mean he, to cut you off. No, I just want to, I just feel like since he's the president, maybe you should know how to pronounce his name correctly. Yeah, you would be right on that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he was voted as president uh, of the Philippines this week and claimed to quote him that the people have spoken decisively. No. Oh. Now he is known as Bong Bong in the Philippines, but uh, he is the son and namesake of the late dictator of the Philippines. Was his name Bong Bong? Uh, his nickname is is Bong Bong. Uh, Ferdinand. 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 Oh, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean now because he's a junior. Ferdinand. Yes. yes. Ferdinand Curvin. Ferdinand, Ferdinand Marcos the- Jr. and his father, Ferdinand Marcos Sr. Sr. Got got it. Who was the dictator before, before. in the Philippines. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but the son has stated that he will be a president for all in the country. Okay. Now, after calculating votes, Marcos Jr. received 31 million votes, while his closest rival, the outgoing vice president, Lenny Robredo. Mm-hmm. Only received about 14 million votes. So what are the implications of Marcos Jr. becoming president? Well, the victory uh, has the Marcos family returning to power more than 30 years after they were forced to flee the country following a revolution that toppled the Marcos regime. Mm -hmm. Marcos Sr., his 21-year presidency was marked by human rights abuses and widespread corruption. Mm-hmm. He died in exile in Hawaii, and if you're going to be exiled, that's 
uh, not the worst place to be exiled in. <laughs> now, Biden and his family did return to the Philippines in 91. Well, it's a little like the the locals. They don't want a bunch of people coming over there. That's you know? true. Yeah. They, <laughs> like they're uh, forced into the, this union. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. It's, it could. It might probably wasn't as much fun as Hawaii can be. Yeah. Now, Marcos Jr. has asked the world to judge his presidency by his actions and not by his family history. Well, that sounds kind of hopeful, though. Quite hopeful. And quite honestly, yeah. any government sustaining power for that long will inevitably be undone by its need to control its people in order to sustain power and influence. So it goes money, power and influence. It's like the holy trinity for geopolitics. Yeah. You got to have all three to remain in power and you have to take it by force over time. Otherwise, all three will be diminished. So are you taking a wait and see approach to the new presidency in the Philippines? Yeah, that's exactly where I stand on the implications of this election. Okay. Uh, We should first evaluate a president by what they say and then judge that president by what they do. We both both of us, you and I know in Mm -hmm. politics uh, that it's about lying just enough to get in power. And then lying more to stay in power. Oh, well, that was a bummer ending. But um, let's move west of the Philippines and discuss the island nation of Sri Lanka. What is happening out there? Well, first, uh, the prime minister stepped down this week following mm-hmm. weeks of street protests over the country's worst economic crisis in its history. And like everywhere else, yeah. food and fuel prices are skyrocketing in the small island nation. After the prime minister's resignation, Sri Lanka's defense ministry ordered security forces to shoot protesters on site amid a national crisis that has left at least eight dead and hundreds injured. That's awful. Prime Minister Mahinda Rayapaksa has hoped his resignation would quell violent protests, but they only intensified, especially near his home. Uh, It was a quick and dramatic fall from favor for both the prime minister and his brother, Gotabaya, who is president mm-hmm. of the country. Well, I mean, nobody, <laughs> I mean, him um, resigning is not going to fix the economic crisis. So yeah. why would it, and if that's why they're protesting, him leaving isn't going to help anything. So no, it doesn't, it doesn't put money back into the economy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, nepotism in geopolitics rears its ugly head again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Moving to the Americas, we have discussed before that Haiti is a hotbed of kidnapping activity. What happened there this week? So the news there is twofold. Um, A group of people, including at least eight Turkish missionaries, were kidnapped this week in Haiti after traveling by bus from the Dominican Republic. And then um, Jali Germain, a Mm -hmm. notorious Haitian gangster for the 400 Mayozo gang, Mm-hmm. will appear in U.S. court this week for allegedly leading the armed abduction and kidnapping of 17 Christian missionaries last year. Is his name really Jolly? Yes. And it, you're, it's pronounced that way? Yes. Jolly Germain. That's actually kind of a cool name. It's a great name. <laughs> okay. So let's start with the first statement. What happened with the group of Turkish missionaries that were kidnapped this week? All right. So the abduction occurred this week near Kwa de Bouquet. The mm-hmm. same location as the 17 Christian missionaries from last year. Oh, okay. So they were aboard a bus with Haitian passengers, and the bus was driven by a Dominican bus driver. All passengers and the driver were removed from the bus, uh, 
Gangs in the area have become increasingly powerful since the assassination of President Jovenel Moise. Has Turkey made a statement on the kidnapping? Yeah, Turkish state broadcasting quoted diplomatic sources confirming that there were indeed eight Turkish citizens aboard the bus and that they had been abducted for ransom by an armed group. Okay. Turkey's embassy in Santo Domingo, which is in the Dominican Republic, but it's also recognized with Haiti, had made contact with the authorities of both countries and efforts were underway to secure the release of its nationals. Let's hope for a quick release and an improving geopolitical climate in that region. Although I don't necessarily see that happening in the short term. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you on that one. On to the court hearing for the alleged leader of the kidnapping from 2021 with his cool name. Yeah, Jolly Germain, known in Haiti as Yon Yon. Is a lot of a lot of names are because there's Bong Bong in the Philippines and now there's Yon Yon. People love nicknames. Well, not just, I'm just saying they're repetitive. The name, oh, nicknames yeah. Are, it's like the same name. Or, back, yeah, back. saying one name yon, twice. Yon, bong, bong, yeah. Well, that was my, my grandfather. Not that I'm comparing these people with my grandfather, but his nickname was Jojo. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, I don't know why I went there. All right, let's move on. That's good insight, <laughs> though. Um, yeah. Now, he is the first to be charged in relation to the kidnappings. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was transferred from a Haitian jail this month and put into U.S. federal custody. Um, At this time, he's being held in Washington, D.C. for conspiracy to commit hostage taking, as well as a separate charge for arms smuggling. Now, FBI Director Christopher Wray stated the indictment, quote, demonstrates that the United States will not tolerate crime against our citizens here or abroad, end quote. Mm -hmm. But only time will tell if that is lip service or truth, as there are dozens of Americans being held unlawfully by various countries. Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, we spoke about one last week in Brittany Griner, who is being held in Russia and has yet to be released. Exactly. So a lot of tough talk towards Haiti um, and the gangs leading that country right now, but not much being done across the globe. I think everyone's um, focusing on other things. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Other things. Uh, Let's get into the crisis in Mexico. We previously discussed Mexico's poor relations with women in the country. Uh, That was not a fun discussion. But now I'm hearing that journalists are being targeted. What is going on to the south of us? Well, that's there's a lot happening there and none of it is good news. So three journalists have been killed in Mexico over a three day span this week. Oh, gosh. Uh, Two Mexican journalists from the news website El Varaz were shot to death in the eastern state of Veracruz. Uh, Both of those journalists were women and have increased tensions with the female population of Mexico. You think? Yeah. Now, the other journalist, Luis Enrique Ramirez, Mm -hmm. a a columnist. Enrique. That's right. Luis Enrique Ramirez. Thank you as our uh, Spanish-speaking person on the podcast. Oh, don't start. Well, no, you are way better than I am at that. I did win awards. Yep. <laughs> but he was a uh, uh, columnist for El Dabate, if that's how you say that. I, I, I'm not going to correct everything you say, so just go ahead. Well, okay. <laughs> unless, it's completely, unless it's completely off, then I'll, you know. One of our Spanish-speaking listeners can uh, can fill us in on how to say those things. They're going to be like, you are insulting our language. <laughs> I hope not. 
<laughs> but uh, unfortunately, he died from blows to the head, oh and gosh. and also a gunshot wound to the leg. Blows to the head. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The tally of killed journalists in Mexico has reached eleven this year. Uh, we are just oh, in no. May. Uh, by contrast, seven journalists were confirmed killed in all of 2021. Well, is the Mexican government doing anything to solve this? The the government continues to investigate the killings and mm. have said the investigation will be comprehensive, including considering their journalism work as a possible motive in their killing. Well, we'll look out for that uh, for a future episode. Is it that time? Is it History's Mysteries? Uh, let me check the time. Where are we? Yep. It yep. is. Why do you always pretend to check the time? I'm not pretending. <laughs> I'm looking right at it. This is why we don't do a video. Yeah. <laughs> a video <laughs> you're, li- <laughs> you're literally checking your watch or your computer or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, this week. It is. We were going to do this exactly at 11.55 on a well, Thursday. Well, that was what I had on the calendar. Oh, Okay. That exact time? That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, we're going to, this week, we'll stay close to home, our home, and discuss a major political family from the D.C. area. So, Alan Welsh Dulles was the first civilian director of Central Intelligence and its Mm -hmm. longest-serving director to date. So, as head of the CIA during the early Cold War, he oversaw many intelligence failures and was also fired by the then U.S. President John F. Kennedy. Okay, well, can you talk about some of those intelligence failures? Are there any our listeners may have heard of? Yeah, so um, that's exactly what I wanted to discuss about Alan Welsh Dulles. So he oversaw the creation of the U-2 bomber, which is still one of the most, I can tell you this as a fact because I've worked with these guys before, it's Mm -hmm. one of the most highly regarded intelligence gathering pieces of equipment in the history of the United States. That doesn't sound like an intelligence failure, though. Well, uh, the system is not a failure, but early on in its development, the Soviets tracked its flyover and initially suspected it was a British bomber. So the the U.S. made a public statement that the U.S. has not performed a or had not performed a military operation in Soviet airspace, which on the surface is true because it was a CIA program, but it's a bit of splitting hairs. Um but also it's a necessary deception at the peak of the Cold War. Um, It did cause the U.S. government to halt all U-2 flights over Eastern Europe at the time. The next failure is the infamous MKUltra program, and uh, that was the CIA's mind control program that was intended to develop procedures and identify drugs like LSD that could be used in interrogations to force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. Now, it's a complete historical black mark on the CIA, and even the CIA knew this was not something that should be announced to the public, as they destroyed documentation of the program during the Watergate investigation. Oh. We only have some knowledge of it because a cache of some 20,000 documents survived the purge. They they had been incorrectly stored in a financial record building. And it was uh, discovered following a Freedom of Information Act request in 1977. That's like the go- most government thing to ever that, government. That's <laughs> the best statement I've ever heard said. That's the most government thing that's ever government. The fact that they store things 
like documents from a highly classified like program that they're trying to hide from people and they put it in with the financials that makes sense they're like no one's gonna find it here <laughs> right <laughs> actually <laughs> maybe <laughs> that that was probably true they were probably smart that's why it took until 1977 <laughs> yeah that's the first time they opened the financials <laughs> and they're like hey this has nothing to do with money yeah what's this <laughs> What is this? Okay. Oh, the final failure and the leading cause of his termination from the CIA was the Bay of Pigs invasion. So that failed invasion severely embarrassed the Kennedy administration and made Fidel Castro wary of future U.S. intervention in Cuba. And in uh, 1998, some of the documents were declassified that showed the CIA had failed to realistically assess risks and to adequately communicate information and decisions internally. And with other government principles and competently collect and analyze intelligence about the Cuban forces. So basically, he was like Putin, who just assumed he could just swing right on there and clear everything out and there wouldn't be any pushback at all. Exactly. Much like Putin, he made a miscalculation on. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. Now, in uh, 1962. Dulles was forced to resign, but in the same year, his family name would be attached to the newly minted International Airport for nearby Washington, D.C. And that name remains on the airport, despite some pushback over the years to rename the site. Well, that's nice that whenever you're affluent and your family is influential and you totally suck at your job, you can still get an airport named after you. Now, that the airport was actually uh, named after... His oldest brother, who was a senator for the United States. Oh, okay. Well, um, you should have cleared that up to begin with, oh, yeah. sir. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for sharing that. That was really cool. I didn't realize he was that um, inept. inept. Yeah, inept. That's a good one. <laughs> it was, I, was it was, think, I was trying to think of a nicer word to say, and but inept was the only thing. Yeah, it was out. interesting to... Uh, Research. get into that information and and look into that. Well, is there anything else for this week? After that, I think we are out of time this week. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please head over to the Apple and Spotify podcast and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.